Good afternoon, everyone. Hey, I want to I want to introduce some people here today. Is that okay if I do that? Introduce. This is going to be our. Uh, I'm going to do a little. I'm going to do a sermon, and then we're going to take communion. So that's why we had that song, "Leading to the Cross," because we're going to go there. But before we go there, I just wanted to welcome Mary McKee. She's at church today, and it's really great to see her. Now, she's been a Christian Christian since Bethlehem, but you know she. So, she, you know, once in a while, you know, she can't make it because she's got some medical conditions, but she's able to make it today. We're just encouraged to see you. All right, Ken is glowing here. He's absolutely glowing. It's awesome. I also wanted to um, uh, welcome uh, from uh, the campus ministry. Uh, they, you know, they, they actually study the Bible with other college students, and they get, end up getting putting their faith in Jesus and get baptized. And this uh, weekend, Chris Spencer uh, put his faith in Jesus. And was baptized yesterday. We had a big old shindig for him. And myself, Josh, Kyle, and his parents uh, went into the water and baptized. And the waters were surprisingly warm. But it was encouraging uh, to see you, to watch you grow up um, for many years and be with you at youth camp and Josh and teen camps and LA soccer cups and all that glory that we bring to the church. Uh, to see you um, here today is really fantastic. So. I uh, just wanted to acknowledge that, that Chris Spencer, uh, uh, son of John and Meok Spencer, uh, is your brother now in Christ. I'm doing a series on the Bible. Here's my display. Here's the Bible. I'm doing a series. Oh, I, I missed somebody. I, I did. I missed. I, I, I just looked over to my left here, and I saw Caleb and Sashiko, who are moving into the area. You know, I did their ceremony many, many years ago here in Fillmore. Very exciting. And they got to look a little addition there. Can we meet that guy? Uh, really excited. They're, they hail. They're coming from Orange County. Uh, this is like a welcome home for Caleb because he's from the area. And uh, Sashiko and I, she used to beat me in basketball one-on-one. So this one's phenomenal over here. And she can sing too by her. So welcome back. It's great to have you guys. Um, so here's my... Here's my prop. It is the Bible, which you would know as the Bible. Remember when you got your Bible? For, this is for those who have been around a while. You went and you got your name put on it. Remember that? Or you bought it for someone that you went out and you went to the Christian bookstore and you, you had to write down G-O, make sure it's an E-O, spelled it right. Some of you got it in cursive. Some of you got it in gold lettering. Some silver. Man, it was a big deal. And then you kind of pulled it out of your bag and says, my personal Bible. My personal, it'd be at church in the pews and someone would say, oh, look, it belongs to Josh Massey. No longer do you write on the inside. We actually put our names on the outside because we're so proud of owning the Bible. But how do we get the Bible? See, it's an important question because I want you to believe the stories that are in the Bible. So it's important that you know how we got the Bible. Last week, we know that many, many people were writing just their personal accounts Luke wrote it for us, Theophilus, about the eyewitnesses he interviewed and the people that saw Jesus and what he said and what he taught. And all of it would have been for nothing because Jesus did not match the expectations of the people because he died. But he resurrected. And therefore, their documents became so important. And we call those documents the New Testament that you read. Some of you got your Bibles, your very first Bible, you were so excited, you turned your phone on. I'm going to the App Store, I'm going to the App Store. And you went to the App Store and you saw, I want the free version. 
And you downloaded it and you're like, oh, come on, come on, get there, get there. And the Bible came, boom, and there it was. And then you went to something else, I'm sure. <laughs> See, how we got the Bible is not how we got the Bible. How you got the Bible is different from how we got this Bible. This Bible's amazing. It's big and it's thick. It's got other stuff in it, but, you know, it's important. Um, the story of the Bible begins when Jesus was discovered alive after he had died. He'd been crucified. Now, it's, that's really important because people were eyewitnesses of this. It wasn't like they heard about it, they read about it, they saw him. It was eyewitness account. And what was unusual in the first century was, was that most people didn't write different versions of the same account. They usually had one version of the account. And usually it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds years later. But not the Bible. Luke wrote it right when it happened. It was going on and he was writing it down. So I want to show you something. I want to talk a little bit about last, last week and this week just to kind of mesh the two. Even though Luke wrote this, he knew Mark, he knew Matthew, he knew John. They were writing, they were writing, and, John, and Paul the Apostle came. And then it still was not the Bible. Luke had no idea he was writing the Bible. He was just writing an, an accurate an account of what he understood from the eyewitnesses about what happened to Jesus. It was nowhere near the Bible. He had no idea he was writing the Bible. And then Paul comes along. And he becomes a Christian and he starts going around the Mediterranean area, the, the Middle East, and he starts proclaiming Jesus resurrected. But still, there is no Bible. He left Judea and he, he took the message of Jesus, not to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And the biggest transition for the Gentiles embracing Christianity was coming to grips with the notion that there was only one God. You see, in the first and second centuries, Christians were actually considered atheists. Christians were called atheists. Why? Because the term was used to describe uh, them sometimes, but they were considered atheists because Christians didn't believe in the gods. They didn't go to the Apollo temple and worship in the statue and drop a little, a little grain offering for Apollo they didn't worship the, 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 the gods of the Greeks. And the gods of the Greeks were depicted by statues. So the Gentiles became enamored with one particular Jew. And his name was Jesus. And because they were enamored by Jesus, they became enamored by the Jewish text. Jesus is Jewish, the Jewish text. And so there were, there were always this tiny, tiny percentage of Gentiles that were Jews, but not many. Gentiles usually kept their distance from the Jews for good reason. They kept to themselves. They kind of had their own little area. They ate different kinds of food. They would, the Gentile would not, you know, Gentile was like, hey, I'll take the pork chop. And the Jews like, ah, they would not eat the pork chop. Jews did not, didn't work on the Sabbath. They, they, they didn't work every day. They took a day off on purpose. Weird. Take a day off. How do you feed your family? How, do you, how, how can the economy run? They took a day off. And the Jews wouldn't allow you to marry their daughters. And you couldn't marry their sons. So they were like a separate whole. Like, whole and so people were like, those are the Jewish people. Leave them alone. They had no interest in the Jews until they were introduced to the teachings of Jesus. 
and the resurrection of Jesus. And they discovered the ancient Jewish texts that are called the law and the prophets and the Psalms. They're like, what is that? They were not interested in Judaism. They were interested in finding Jesus in the Jewish text because Jesus kept telling you that everybody, the law and the prophets and the Psalms are written about me. And so they were like, well, we got to go to these texts to find out where Jesus is in these texts. And so they started to become enamored with the Old Testament. And here's what they found. The ancients didn't convert from one religion to the other. That's not what the Gentiles did. They added the gods to the others. If you came from Oxnard and we had church in Camarillo, you would bring your, your Oxnard God to the Camarillo service, the Camarillo service to the Oxnard service, and you would, have a, you would add to them. Then you have the Ventura County God. And then there's the LA County God. And then there's the 805 God. You get, you get what I'm saying? You just didn't convert. You just added the gods to your pantheon. And you took the gods wherever you went. You ever see that movie Gladiator? When Maximus Decimus Meridius, I'm sorry I know his name. I've watched it too many times. He takes his little pouch and he puts him on his little personal altar and he's, he's worshiping the ancestors. Yeah. And then when he's done, he takes him back and he puts him in his pocket. And where he goes, he, he breaks him out and he's... Because that's what the Romans Gentiles did. They didn't change religions. They just added gods. And in fact, you might adopt some gods from a different region. Didn't matter. It wasn't a big deal to Rome. It wasn't a big deal that you had gods. All they cared about was giving Caesar his, his praise. He's, he's Lord. Do a little this. Do a little that. Do whatever you want. They didn't care what you worshipped. So in the first and second centuries, the Christians were considered atheists. Because they didn't believe in the gods. And then the emperor Diocletian accuses the Christians for Roman going through a bad period because they must have disturbed the gods because they don't worship the gods. So he has all the Christian literature ordered to be burned. And the first century men and women, followers of Jesus, protected these documents that Luke wrote, that Matthew wrote, that John wrote, that Mark wrote through the, through the lecture of Peter. All these little documents were supposed to be burned. And they said, no, we'll never turn them in. We're going to guard them with our lives. And so they did. They'd come to your home. And if you didn't have them, your children, your wife, be killed in front of you. Give us the documents. So when you read the Bible, Appreciate the history of the men and women who risked their lives. And they weren't even defending the Bible. They were defending the documents of the eyewitnesses about the life and testimony of Jesus. There wasn't a Bible then. They were just protecting. They said generations have to know about Jesus. How do we preserve it? I got to protect this document. Maybe a grandfather would walk into your village and he'd come to the village and he'd be like, hey guys, check this out. Come over to my house right now. I got something to show you. And he'd take the cloth out. And it would be like the book of John. And everyone's like, whoa. This is John's writing. It's a copy of a copy of John's writing. And they're like, oh my gosh. And he'd read some of it to the kids, to, to the village. They're like, oh. It was amazing. Do you read the Bible like that? 
I mean, you should. People died for that thing. You should, every morning, you should get up and go, the Bible, it's going to speak to me. God's going to say something here. What, what did Jesus say? Isn't that amazing? When you think about your relationship with God, I'm going to read the text, this sacred text. You know, people sometimes wonder, like, the Jews didn't worship the Roman gods, but the Christians got persecuted. Why were the Christians dying and not the Jews? The Jews would never worship their, the idols. They would never worship their gods. They would never bow down to the Roman gods. Why did they get a pass and not the Christians? You may be wondering this. And the reasons why the, the Jews got a pass and not the Christians was because Rome's philosophy was to honor religions that were older than theirs. They realized the Jewish religion was older than Romulus and Remus. It was older than the founders of Rome itself. So therefore, they respected that religion because it was older. And that's why they got a pass. The Christians was kind of new. It was novel. Let's punish them. But the, but the Jews, the backstory to the, new, to the documents was their Jewish text. So the Gentiles got very interested in what the Jewish text had to say because they understood it was the backstory to their documents that John wrote, that Mark wrote, that Matthew wrote. And the first line of the Jewish text said this. In the beginning, God. Boom! Mic drop right there. Wait a minute. It doesn't say in the beginning, the gods. It says, in the beginning, God. Don't miss the ancient context here. There are pantheons of God. Their creation stories was like, the gods made this. This was shocking to the ancient world. Because they would expect to find the, their ancient creation story, just like they would look at the Jewish Bible. How come it's so, it's like ours, but it's not. Because the gods, the pantheon, even in the ancient times, the Jews believed in one God, an invisible God. In every region, every nation, the barbarians, the Romans, the early Greeks, every region, every nation had their own gods. And most families had family gods and they worshiped their ancestors. And as the Gentiles began to read the Jewish text, they would begin to form the law and the prophets and the Psalms, they were beginning to go, this is what the ancient text says about the New Testament or the documents that we have. There is actually so many documents of the Jewish text, it, it'll make your head spin. Not only do you have your traditional Testament, but you have the books of Adam and Eve, the life of Adam and Eve, the apocalypse of Adam, the books of Enoch. There was all kinds of commentary. And the ancient Jews at that time called it the second temple period writings. It was the writings after the Old Testament and before the New Testament. There was a 500 AD to 70 AD. There was a lot of writing about the Old Testament. So there was a lot of material that was going on in the Jewish text. It was a plethora. Because the book of Genesis, which is Greek for origin, Moses was the, was the author of the first five books of the Bible. And what happened when they looked into the text in the 19th and 20th century, archaeological, archaeology discovered something. They discovered 
a lot of other creation accounts in the time that the Bible was written. A lot of them. Egyptian, Babylonian, and Canaanite creation stories were discovered. You know what? It kind of sounded like the Bible. And people were like, whoa, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Did the Jews just copy the stories? Because these religions were there before. Did they just kind of copy them down? And You know, when I, was in, when I was in college 20 some years ago, I was sharing my faith and Scott brought that up. And I was like, what? He said, well, look at the stories. They're exactly the same. And I was like, ah. Eh. And it was a struggle because I was like, I don't believe that. I can't prove it, but I don't believe it. You know what I mean? You can't prove it. You're like, I, everything in my nature, like, he's wrong. It's wrong. But, he, but he's like, look, you guys had a flood. They had a flood. So I was like, whoa. I, w- I went to bed late that night going like, I got to talk to my campus minister. <laughs> The accusation and the scholars said that the, the Hebrews borrowed from, from other ancient creation stories. Genesis stands in startling contrast to the other ancient creation stories. It's an entirely brand new worldview unto itself. Now, here's what's extraordinary about, about the, 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 the Jewish text versus the creation stories. The universe was considered eternal at that time. It always existed. Plato said so. It was always there. And the Jewish text says no. In the beginning, had a cause. Because everything that has, that has, has a cause. Something caused this. The universe was not existed just because it existed. It was created. It was caused. So the Jewish text already had this contrast. You know, when they read the Jewish text, it's like, it's like, no, it's not. It's different. It's a different worldview. It's different than what they, what they ever thought of. Because in the beginning, there was a cause. And the, the, the debate today is whether it was personal, whether it was purposeful, or whether it was intentional. The debate today, everyone now knows it was a cause. They call it the Big Bang Theory. This little thing started, boom, when it started. Well, what caused that? The ancient text said, in the beginning, God created. But our problem is that we get caught up in all, how did God do it? What did he do? What was the material? What was the science? Let's check it out. The Bible is not a science book. This is actually a poem that describes the beginning creation. Moses is trying to explain that God created heaven and earth, not the gods. It was God. It was Yahweh. Not those gods. I did it. And he says this. God created. Moses is making the case that God created heaven and earth. The gods didn't create anything. It was not created by Egypt's Amun-Ra or Babylonia's Marduk. Now, the Marduk story is amazing because when you read that story, Marduk fought this other god named Tiamun and he shot an arrow through her face and he killed her and then he got her body, he cuts it in half and the upper torso became heaven and the lower torso became earth. Can you imagine children's ministry in that, in that time? <laughs> Tiamun died in heaven and earth. That's what their creation story says. The gods got in a fight. One lost and I took her body fluids and made heaven and earth. Just like that. Can you already see the difference of the Bible and the creation stories? Because as time goes on, 
scholars abandon that idea. The more they look into the text, they're going, oh my God, this is completely different than anything anyone's ever read in that, including the children of Babylon. Genesis is nothing like the Egyptians. It's nothing like the Babylonians, nothing like the Canaanite creationists, where the gods created themselves. This poem, in the beginning God created, is a polemic. A polemic is an aggressive attack or refutation on someone else's um, principles. Someone attacks your principles and they put it in writing. They're going, I'm going to contest that. I'm going to challenge that. And so this poem is challenging the creation stories of the gods. That's what it's doing. It was an entirely different worldview. In the Babylonian stories, Baal, as you read in your Bible, Baal, that guy, was considered the writer of the clouds, the writer of the storm. He was a thunder god himself. But in the Bible, it says Yahweh is the writer of the clouds. You see the polemic? You see they're challenging? It's not Baal. It's Yahweh who rides the cloud. And there's a story in the book of, in the, in the Gospels of Matthew, where Jesus is arrested and the high priest Caiaphas demands to know whether he's the Messiah. He goes, tell us who you are. Tell us. And people are lying about Jesus and he's not saying nothing. He gets really frustrated and Caiaphas goes, tell us who you are. Are you the son of God? He goes, you want to know? The next time you see me, I'm going to be coming on the clouds of heaven. And Caiaphas knows that it's Yahweh who rides the cloud. It's God who is the cloud rider. And so what does Caiaphas do when he understands that what Jesus is saying? He rips his robe because Jesus just told him, I am Yahweh. <laughs> Crucify him. The Bible is so awesome, isn't it? This brings us to our next topic here. The heavens and the earth. That's what God created. Now the ancient creation stories, there's a famous one called Enuma Elish, which means went on high. About four books into that account, mankind is created. And you know why mankind is created? The gods are lazy and they says, we don't, we get tired of the work on earth Let's make humans, and they'll be our slave labor. I will establish, this is their text, I will establish a savage. Man shall be his name. Savage man I will create. He shall be charged with the service of the gods. He'll work for us. That they might be at ease. Marduk and Numa Elish. The human race was an afterthought to lighten the load of the gods. And that meant that an individual had no rights, had no hope, and had no value. Women had no rights, had no status, had no hope, and had no value. The violence and injustice of the gods justified the violence and injustice of the human leaders of those nations. That's why they were so brutal. It reminded me of Psalm 82. When God rebukes the gods in his assembly and says, you guys are unjust and you guys are evil. Because in the, in, the, in the Jewish Bible, it's God who made the gods, not the other way around. God made the gods. He goes, you guys are evil. They told man that you're our slaves. 
And this is what's amazing about the Bible. In the Jewish text, mankind is the pinnacle of creation. It's the pinnacle. It's, one of the, it's the most important thing. God gives dignity to every man, every woman, every child. From the very beginning, this was unheard of. Dignity, the pinnacle. There was no parallel anywhere else in any creation story. And the pagan mythologies and the pantheon of the gods that would develop years afterwards, none of this established this kind of idea. But there's more. This is why archaeologists and later scholars decided, you know what? The Jewish people didn't borrow from the ancient myths. This is far and away so different. It's unimaginable. Even 500, 1500 years later, unimaginable. Because God says this, so they may rule over. God made man so they can rule the creation with God. They will rule the creation and have rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the wild animals over all the creatures on the ground. Why is this important? Because in Egypt, they worship the animals. In Egypt, they made the cats the gods and the dogs the gods. They worship these things. They deified them. And God goes, no, mankind will rule over those things. You see how the creation story of the Bible is so different than the creation stories of the, of the era of its time? Way ahead. Man's the pinnacle. Don't worship those. You're going to rule over the fish and the animals. And you're not going to mix them up and wear these crazy little head coverings. This is crazy. It's a polemic. Every single pagan culture, following the establishment of the Jewish people, they worship nature and the elements of nature and the animals of nature, and all kinds of mixtures of nature. That's why you find it in all these Egyptian creation stories, that the gods were animals. So God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So from the very beginning, God establishes this unique worldview that God makes mankind in his image. That was unthinkable. That the image of God, it's repeated in my image. God wants man to reflect his image. I think every woman should become a Christian. Jesus elevated the status of women so much that they were some of his most prominent followers. Women. In the very beginning, the God of the Jews, who became the God of the Christians, gave women dignity. Honor your father and your mother. Ahead of its time. Ahead of its time. The gods didn't honor the women. They had no dignity. They had no value. God says, honor your father and your mother. Uh, way ahead of its time. Only recently has civilization caught up with the value that God put with women. Remember, women just started voting in 1920. Remember that? That's a long time ago. I mean, they just, that's not too long ago. Just think about how, how society has valued women. God, from the beginning, says they're made in my image. 
Moses was not trying to explain how God created the world. He was trying to tell you how amazing God is and how different he is from, the, from all the creation stories that these people have been exposed to. Moses introduced a radically different, unparalleled, and untested worldview. It would become the foundation of the golden rule. It's a rule that's not reflected in nature. It's not even reflected in human nature. And at the very beginning, God says, you are not a means to an end. And you are not to worship nature. Now, can you go camping? Of course. Can you go to Yosemite? Of course. Go pray. It's amazing. But don't worship Yosemite. I'm going to make you as close as possible to me. I'm going to make you in my image. Which means every man, every woman, every child, everyone you have face to face with bears the image of the creator. So be careful how you treat them. Because according to the Enuma Elish, according to this ancient story of creation, you were born a slave to the gods. You have no individual dignity. You have no individual rights. There is no redeemer and there is no afterlife. According to atheists, you are, you are slave to your DNA. You have no free will. There is no redeemer. And there's nothing. But in the very beginning, a God who gives us freedom to choose and then honors our choice. This is Yahweh. And he does the most craziest thing. It's, it's like, it's unthinkable. After man rejects him in the garden, he goes to work to reverse the consequences of that. It's crazy. He doesn't write off mankind. Oh, they blew it. Forget it. We're starting over. He starts to work on getting him back. He starts to work on, how are we going to get him back? Who will go down there and save mankind? I will go. It's a worldview that answers life's most important questions, the why. Why? Why is there something rather than nothing? In the beginning, God, why are you here? And why do you matter? That you're here on purpose? With a purpose? If you're a follower of Jesus, your purpose is to love God and love your neighbor. But why love? Why would God say do that? Because God is love. You're made in his image. God is love. He's the one that's chasing you. He's been chasing you from since the beginning because he wants to be with you. You're not a slave. You're his son. You're his daughter. Amen. You weren't made to serve him. With he, he, goes, he made a point. I'm, I don't need no one to serve me by human hands. I just want a relationship with you. That is so different than any creation story. That's why the scholars reject that now. They go, oh, once we started reading the stories, we see that the Bible is in such contrast to all those stories. Because in the opening line of the scriptures, 
the Gentiles began, began to adopt this Old Testament, these laws and these prophets. It wasn't called the Old Testament back then. They called it the law and the prophets and the Psalms. And they began to adopt that, those Jewish texts as their own. They didn't call it the Jewish Bible, though, later on. There's some controversy. They called it the Christian Bible. And the Jews were like, what? That's our Bible. But it's not the Bible yet. The Gentile Christians are all going, we want to know more about the Jewish text. We don't want Judaism. We want the writings. And we want to know more about this. And after hundreds of years, when the scholars get together, they bring together the Old Testament writings, the Jewish text, and the documents of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul, and Peter. And they bring them together. And they have certain guidelines of what gets allowed in. How to be eyewitnesses, how to be accurate. And it begins to form the Bible. This is why this series is so important that you put your faith in the Bible because it's God's love letter to you, to you. That's saying you have value, you have dignity, you're made in my image. Treat each other with kindness and love. Take care of each other. Love each other. Yeah, you're going to mess up. Love each other. Who's not hard to love? Right? We're all hard to love and prickly at times. So what? God says love each other. That's what his message is. The gods are like, they're just our slaves. God's like, they're my sons and they're my daughters. This is why we take communion. Because God came down to reverse it. Change everything. And when you're resurrected, we take communion. Let's pray for that right now.